Welcome to Enneagram Conversations with Jackie Brewster and Courtney Barman, where you'll uncover and discover more about yourself and others through the helpful tool of the Enneagram. I'm your host, Julie Underwood. Hey, Jackie. Good to see you. Hey, Julie. Today, we are going to be talking about Enneagram subtypes. So just a little overview. Subtypes refer to how each Enneagram number has learned to find safety and security when interacting with the world around them. That means each number has three distinct ways in which they appear. We all have one dominant subtype that is used most often. Our secondary subtype becomes activated as we adapt to different situations. And the third subtype is more likely to be repressed. This sounds interesting and complex. Jackie, will you break this down a little bit more for us to understand? Yeah. So when we're talking about subtypes, what we're looking at is the three distinct subtypes for each number. Okay. So there is a self-preservation subtype, there is a social subtype, and there is a sexual subtype or a one-to-one subtype. Okay. Same thing. Just we talk about it, you know, give it a different title for different situations. But within these subtypes... It reveals how we find safety and security in the world through comfort, connection, or involvement. Okay, so comfort, connection, or involvement. So if it's self-preservation, it's going to be around comfort. If it's around uh, social, it's going to be around connection. And if it's around the the one-to-one, it's going to be involvement, chemistry, and connection. Subtypes explain how two people can have the same Enneagram number, but express the characteristics in different ways. Okay, so... As you're working with clients, do you find unpacking the subtypes to be helpful as they gain an understanding of their personality? Or do you kind of just stick with wings and then subtypes are something that maybe you don't go into with every client? That's a great question. I go into subtypes with every single client um, and we go into them at the beginning of the conversation. So as I'm working with somebody, we make sure that their number is right because your number doesn't change within the Enneagram system. It's around motivation, not behavior. Um, so getting to the root of um, why we do what we do, what causes us to do what we do is the first part of this. And then right after that, that is when I look at subtypes because that's going to give us a clearer picture of how you're coping, how you're surviving, how you're trying to get your needs met, how you're trying to get love, how you're trying to survive in the world around you. And so I think that understanding your Enneagram number, your dominant number, and then the subtype that you most relate to gives you insight into so much of your behavior. Yeah, I love that term survival, because we all are going to lean into one specifically, maybe at different points in our life for survival at that particular moment, whether that's childhood, middle age, it just depends. Um, Can you talk about the three different subtypes? Why don't you start us out with self-preservation? So let me say this too, before we jump into this, the difference when we're talking about subtypes is that this is a movable piece of your Enneagram type, of your Enneagram number. So if I'm an Enneagram seven, I can access all three of these subtypes depending on um, how healthy I am, how secure I am in my relationships, what I need in that situation. So this is part of the Enneagram system that you can fluctuate. You you have access to all parts of your number. Even though you're going to have one more that's more dominant, you still can access all of these or they can change over time. Okay. So I think it's so important that you understand that. And we can talk about that a little bit more even as we go. But the self-preservation subtype, 
we start with there. We're looking at comfort, okay? This particular subtype is concerned with safety and security. Uh, they want to know that there's a roof over their head, there's food on the table. They oftentimes make their home warm and comfortable and safe. They focus on their physical needs. So when I'm looking at um, the self-preservation subtypes for people, regardless of what number you are, if there is a, a big concern on um, self, not selfish, just self-preservation, making sure you have what you need for survival of self, then this could be, you know, partly what makes sense for you within your, your relationships. And it really, really plays a huge part when it, when we talk about our romantic relationships, uh, because if, if somebody has a self-preservation subtype, then their focus of attention is on making sure they're safe and secure, their environment is safe and secure, there's money in the bank, there's food on the table, all those things. But if they're in a relationship with somebody that perhaps has a social subtype, you know, it's going to look much different. And so if we look at the social subtype, they are most concerned with having connections to a core group of people. So it's like a herd mentality. I am safer if I do this in numbers. This does not mean extrovert at all. This is much more about a small group of people that you feel safe and secure with that you're going to lean on. Okay. They believe there is safety in numbers. Instead of focusing on the self, they focus on finding a group of people that helps them feel safe and secure and stable and steady in their world. And so if you just even think about these two different um, subtypes within relationship where you've got one that's kind of pulled in and like safety and security is home and you've got another person that you're, you know, you're in relationship with somebody that's social and there's people around, they are, you know, more drawn to like a group and people, you could feel the pull right here around like, how come you always have to be so, you know, doing things? How come there always has to be people around? How come you can't just sit on the couch and watch a movie with me? How come we can't just do this together? And so some of that can definitely play a role. This, I, I feel like I lean a little bit probably into the the group. I, I like to have people around. I like to have that support. And my husband definitely leans a little bit more self-preservation. I find that this plays out with us um, in, in the church community as well, because churches, a lot of them are very centered around community groups. Um, and, and it's all about circles instead of rows. Well, I feel like that is only catering to a small amount of people in their church. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's just, I can definitely see how that has played out in our relationships when I've encouraged my husband, hey, let's let's join a group. Let's have community around us. And he's like, we're good. I feel okay about this. And and sometimes that's led me to just go off and, and, and do a group on my own because I need that interaction. But I feel like there's a, probably a lot of couples who have probably found themselves kind of at that cross point and, and trying to figure out what do I do? Why does he not want community? Is it because he, he feels like he can do it on his own? Not necessarily. That's where they feel the most safe though. Yeah, I think that you're right. You know, I love that you highlighted that because I think it's so important. We're looking for safety and security. And so how we find that is going to be different. And I think that this oftentimes creates misunderstanding within relationships, which can feel like a disconnection within relationships. So when you understand the stuff about each other, uh, it's like, a, oh, you're not being withdrawn and isolated. You just prefer, you've had a really crazy busy week. You are not really interested in hanging out with a group of people on the weekend. 
you really would love for, you know, you and I just to have dinner. I love that. But at the same time, you also don't mind if I go and have, you know, coffee with friends, or if I go meet people for lunch on Sunday afternoon, you don't care about that either. Like that's fine with you. And so the conversations that happen around this are so helpful. And, um, they are in my new book, the Enneagram in your marriage. There's a whole section around subtypes because I think it's so important for people to really begin to understand that we view situations different. And most of the time, we don't pair with the same subtype. We just don't. It's like opposites attract, right? 100%. Yes. So let's look at the one-to-one subtype. That focuses on the chemistry between themselves and others. Yes. And this one is called, sometimes it's called the intimate or sometimes it's called the sexual subtype. And, you know, everybody just assumes that this, if it's a sexual subtype, it must be about sex, but it's not. It's about chemistry and connection between you and another person. This is oftentimes the one um, that the person that's most willing to take risks, they're not concerned necessarily with personal safety and security. They'll go long times without eating, or um, if they have to go to the bathroom, they'll hold it instead of missing out on something. And this is very different than the self-preservation subtype. And I'll tell you, I'm a self-preservation seven. Um, I want to eat when I'm hungry. Uh, If I have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to excuse myself to go to the bathroom. I definitely like my home. Um, I like people, but I like my people and I like my home. Um, And I'm married to somebody that would line more up in this one-to-one subtype for sure, where it's throw caution to the wind, go after it. Let me wear myself out. Let me run after what I want um, at the cost of himself in a lot of ways. And so this was super confusing early on in our relationship where I did at the beginning of our marriage, I think I had a fair amount of the one-to-one subtype around chemistry and connection. Um, and he probably even had more of the social subtype. So it was different 24 years ago where I was like, I need you to be my person. And I also want to be home with my person. Mm-hmm. And he was more like, I want to be around a lot of people and I don't want to miss out and I want to do all these things. And um, it felt like there was just such a miss around the single connection between him and I, if that makes sense. Because it was always like, I wanted more from him and he was busy being more for other people. You know, my husband's an Enneagram three, I'm an Enneagram seven. We both stand independently, go after what we want. And so there's so many different parts of this, but when I look at these subtypes, what really began to make sense to he and I was, um, the way that we were trying to keep ourselves safe, where I was like pulling it in, just having my people that felt safest to me for a lot of early childhood reasons. Like I remember uh, my parents divorced when we were really, when I was really little. And uh, I remember living in our little house in Rainham and there was not central heater air or anything like that. And my mom was getting ready to go to work. She was a waitress and it was hot in our house. But I remember all of us being like, being in my mom's room while she was getting ready. And I just remember being afraid. I remember being afraid a lot of my life and I never recognized it until my forties. When I look back, I'm like, I was afraid a lot in my life. So there was definitely a focus on, on self-preservation, on survival. How am I going to survive? 
I'm going to have to make sure I have everything that I need to survive. So I learned that really early on. And at the same time, there was a reach for like, I know I need to do this, but I really want connection. I really want another person to love me. I really want to find safety and security in another person. And so there was a reach for my husband in this too. But it was both of those. They, My self-preservation and the one-to-one subtype, they sit almost like magnets close to each other. They like, um, and I had a chance to talk to Beatrice Chestnut, who is uh, a phenomenal Enneagram teacher and her take on subtypes is just incredible. But I had an opportunity to ask her about this in my own life. And she said, um, it sounds like they sit close. They sound, they just sit so close together, but self-preservation is louder in this season of my life, even um, than that one-to-one where my husband, he would have been the social and that, and the one-to-one was really, really loud. So we just were not lined up, if that makes sense. And so there was so much confusion and disconnect that happened. And so as we began to learn this stuff about each other, he understood like my pull, my reach to him, are you accessible? If I reach for you, are you going to be there for me? Um, he learned how to respond to that in, in a way that made me feel secure. Took years, you guys, to figure this this dance out. Today, he won't just make plans or just go. Typically, he'll ask me first and, and slow things down a bit. Like, what do you think about this? Are we going to have a team over? Are you okay with that? And so there's this reciprocal relationship that's happening. But it has to do with us really understanding both of us find safety and security in very different ways. I feel like the one-to-one sounds a little misleading because I would say a one-to-one sounds like somebody who who wants to be across the table from one person, that they that they value that, um, that type of relationship. But what, the way you're describing it is they, they want relationship with a lot of people. They don't mind having a lot of people around. How is that um, different than like an extrovert or whatnot? So that's a great question. So I think that it depends on um, their story. Okay. So the one-to-one, they do want chemistry and connection across the table from another person, but uh, each one of those shows up a little bit differently within the the numbers as we look at it. And so like um, the Enneagram two, okay. A one-to-one Enneagram two is going to lock eyes on their target. And that's what they want. They want that connection. They're high relational people. This is what they want, okay? If we look at an Enneagram 3 that is this type of personality, they are concerned, they're group thinkers, they're concerned with um, like connecting with somebody that's important. I'll make you awesome and then I'll be awesome too. I'll be second to your first. So there is a connection there, but it's more about um, achievement and success. And so it's not, it's not a person necessarily. It's more around driving towards um, influence or, you know, something in that realm. The Enneagram four looks a little bit different. They definitely want connection. You know, the Enneagram four can feel turbulent and, and stormy in their relationship. And so when it comes to locking in on what they want, it's what they want. Is it a particular person or is it something else? Or is it, I don't know, you know, it, but it's, it's more, around what they want. And there's a risk in a cost to this particular subtype. So where the self-preservation is, I want my person and I want to know we're safe and secure and we're calm, like, uh, 
like, I want to watch movies. I want to be with them. The sexual subtype or the one-to-one subtype is the the more risk-taking of all of them. So if we look at the five in this category, we're going to look at somebody that definitely focuses on their one person. This is the, the Enneagram five that is in this subtype focuses on the one person, and that is their main focus of attention. That one person, let me lock in on that. You're my whole world. Everything is about you. I'm okay if you're okay. There's a lot that happens right there, okay? The Enneagram six, they are like, who's who am I safe and secure with? Okay, if I feel safe and secure, then I can go into the world and I can conquer all of the things that I'm afraid to do. I, I, it's going to give me um, security to do this. The Enneagram seven, they look a little bit more like rose-colored glasses. They love the feeling of falling in love, but they have a hard time staying in love. Um, and so, you know, they, not that they can't, but th- what they, they want that feeling, they want that rom-com feeling in their life. And when it's not there, they get scared that maybe they missed it, or maybe they're never going to have it again. And so, and then the Enneagram eight, and that is going to look like, um, they're going to go after what they want. They're going to go after it with force. Um, and so if it's a relationship or if it's an adventure or, um, a, a, you know, a goal, they're like, let's go. Let's whatever, throw caution to the wind and let's go after this. The Enneagram nine typically merges with their partner. And so they become just like, if you're okay, I'm okay. That's, I mean, that's probably the best way to say it with the Enneagram nine. Um, They're very devoted to their partner. They want that one person. And then the Enneagram one, this is the, this is the subtype of a one that Optimus types as an eight. This is the subtype that is like, um, passionate and fiery and will show anger. And they're usually focused on a cause or something that they, they want to make a difference in the world. And so it's not necessarily a person on this one either. Um, but there is a feistiness around the Enneagram one that feels different than the other two subtypes of a one. So it looks different. So it's not a focus on what we think like chemistry and connection with one other person. Mm-mm. It depends on what Enneagram number you are and how it shows up. I like how you've described the self-pres is safety and security. These are just little ways to kind of be able mm-hmm. to relate to them. Mm-hmm. The social would be like a herd mentality. Mm-hmm. There's safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. I feel like that helps me digest that a little bit more. It helps me understand what that actually means. Mm-hmm. And the one-to-one is chemistry and connection. Mm -hmm. So whether that be with a group, whether that be with an individual, Mm -hmm. what is one practical tool that our listeners can take away from this? Um, In addition to the fact that we will be posting all of the subtypes in our show notes, we've got a PDF, you can download it, take a look, kind of ruminate on that a little bit, see where you land. And once again, Jackie said, that it's not always going to be the same for every part of your life. So maybe at one point you've identified self-pres, one uh, point you've identified one-on-one, and it may change with different seasons of your life. Yeah. So what I think that is helpful when we're talking about these subtypes is that you start to become aware of how you are trying to keep yourself safe. What does that look like for you? Uh, So there's three, you know, it's like, I believe that this is cradle to grave, just like um, bonding science, but how do you get your needs met? How do you get love? And how do you keep yourself safe? That is a main goal of humans from beginning to end. That's what we're we're trying to figure out. And so uh, in this, like, how do you keep yourself safe? That's the question when it comes to uh, subtypes. And so really paying attention 
to that for you, for yourself? Like, do I keep myself safe by making sure of a roof over my head and um, having everything that I need and um, focused on, you know, self in this? Do I keep myself safe by moving towards a group of people and finding safety and security in that way? Or do I keep myself safe by going after what I want, by whether that be a person or an idea or whatever that is? Am I always on the go? Am I always trying to figure out how things work or what the next thing is or whatever this looks like. So really starting to figure out that piece for yourself and paying attention to, is it working? You know, is what I'm doing working? Am I actually finding safety and security in my life using this coping strategy? As we end this podcast, we just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love for you to leave a review. Your kind words help others find the show. If you'd like to get in touch or find out more about the Enneagram, follow us on Instagram at Enneagram with JB and Courtney B Coaching. For more about Jackie and her resources, go to EnneagramWithJB.com. We'll see you next time on Enneagram Conversations with Jackie Brewster and Courtney Barman.